Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Planet B, a podcast where we're talking about climate change and its effects on planet A. I'm Wyatt. And this is Bree. So today, we're in Italy. Specifically, we are on the Grand Canal of Venice in the Ferrofini Palace, sitting in on the regional council of Veneto, which is the region of Northeast Italy that contains Venice. In the council meeting, it's around 9, 10 p.m., getting kind of late. And at this portion of the meeting, the Democratic Party, led by Andrea Zanoni, begins proposing funding for renewable resources, for electric columns, the replacement of diesel buses with other more efficient and less polluting, uh, to finance the pacts of mayors for sustainable energy and climate change, and to reduce the impact of plastics. The majority of this council, however, contains a political group known as the League, or the Northern League, and it rejected these amendments entirely. And then about two minutes go by. And what happens? The council room starts flooding. <laughs> the level of the water in Venice at this moment rose high enough to flood the council chambers. Now, the mayor of Venice has specifically said that this particular flooding is the result of climate change. And flooding, especially in Venice, can have a lot of different causes, but rising global sea levels combined with more frequent and intense rain events caused by a warmer atmosphere's higher potential to hold moisture are two recognizable threats and two actionable threats, things that we can change in the event of climate change. So the mayor of Venice has acknowledged that this is because of climate change, has declared a state of emergency for Venice, because this is the highest that the water in Venice has been in 50 years. The Italian prime minister declared a state of emergency on Thursday night, which is a way for them to help assist people whose businesses and homes have been damaged. Uh, one thing that is pretty neat is that residents whose homes have been flooded will immediately get 5,000 euros, and restaurant and shop owners will get up to 20,000 euros which is maybe not that much considering the amount of damage that's going to be happening, but it is immediate, which is neat because they declared a state of emergency. Floods are only a part of Venice's problem with water. Venice sits on a tidal lagoon atop shifting mud sediments. The early industrial construction of a bridge to the mainland and offshore piers affected the seafloor in ways that made the city more vulnerable. The 20th century projects where water was being pumped from underground caused the land to subside, and these practices were brought to an end in the 70s, but rising sea levels due to climate change and turbulence from cruise ship traffic have also damaged the city's foundations. That's right.
Venice has spent over six billion trying to build a flood barrier system called the Mose. Mose isolates the lagoon during high tide and lessens the levels of frequent tides. It was first designed in 84, but work actually didn't start on it till 2003, and it still has yet to be completed. They're hoping to complete it by 2022. That's crazy. I didn't realize it, that they first designed it in the 80s. Yeah. I had heard of it before, but before I read this article, I didn't know that it was... I didn't realize it took so long to make it. Yeah. So MOSE is actually an acronym for something that in English means experimental electromechanical module and also refers to Moses, who parted the Red Sea to enable the Israelites to flee to safety from Egypt. Kind of a double whammy. That's, apparently it's made of 78 big yellow barriers that are buried in the water that when they're activated will rise above the surface and prevent surging tides. And they're saying that it could buy Venice some time um, with flooding, but studies are still showing that climate change might put Venice underwater within the next hundred years. Really? Oh, that's right. Maybe. Because I'm sure that when they decided to start making Moe's, climate change had a certain trajectory and that has probably gotten worse than what they've accommodated for so far. So we're going to stay in Italy for another minute or two, <laughs> but we're going to move from wet Venice to dry Rome, where uh, Italy's education minister Lorenzo Fioramonti discusses the fact that Italy is going to be the first country to, to make education on climate change mandatory. So beginning in 2020, all state schools are going to be required to dedicate 33 hours per year, so almost an hour per school week, to climate change issues from the start of the next academic year in December, yeah, so 2022. A lot of different subjects that they usually cover, like geography, math, physics, are also going to be studied from the perspective of sustainable development. So it's going to be working in sustainability and climate education into subjects that are already discussed. Yeah, and Fioramonti says, I want to make the Italian education system the first education system that puts the environment and society at the core of everything we learn in school. He says he wants to discourage types of consumption that are harmful to the environment, such as airplane travel, plastic, and sugary foods. This is Fioramonti? Yes, Fioramonti. Lorenzo. He wants to put taxes on airplane tickets, plastic, and sugary foods, and raise funds for education that way as well. Oh, cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, a complex issue, but he, I, I, I think he said he got ridiculed for some of that stuff, right? And it might actually take action. Yeah, despite the criticism, the government's 2020 budget presented to Parliament this week included both the plastic tax and the new tax on sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. Sugary drinks! Damn, not my Mountain Dew. Not my Mountain, not my Surge. <laughs> <laughs> not my Vault. Damn, who drinks that? <laughs> what, Vault? If you had one sugary drink that you didn't want taxed, what would it be? I don't know. That's a good question. I like Sprite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I could see you liking Sprite. You could see me liking Yeah, because you're a coward. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, we're done in Italy. Okay. We've left Italy. We've gone from Italy to another peninsula. 
One that <laughs> one that Brianna and I happen to be from in the United States. It is the state of the state of Florida. In the Gulf Coast and around Florida, we have a fish called a lionfish that is an incredibly invasive species. So this is relevant to no planet B. And I have a, a buddy of mine. I don't even have to call him a buddy of mine. It's Dylan Hazel, the uh, the oyster farmer that we interviewed. Now, he collects lab specimens. He dives and collects specimens for a, a lab slash education facility. So he sees quite a bit of lionfish and me and him were, were talking about it one day and we found this video and um, that's kind of, that brings us to now and I have to show you Brianna. A Bradenton man is taking the hunt for the invasive lionfish to the extreme and he's using a handgun. <laughs> The way she says handgun makes it sound like she's reading it for the first time. <laughs> He's using a handgun. Oh my God. To shoot the fish underwater. The lionfish never had a chance. <laughs> Bradenton's Portland hunt combining two of his passions, guns and spear fishing, to create an epic viral video. Who wouldn't want to go shoot their gun at fish underwater? And and especially a, a species that's that's detrimental to the environment. Lionfish are considered an invasive species and there are few restrictions against taking them out. But is shooting them legal? Definitely illegal inside of Florida waters. Luckily, we weren't within nine miles, so they deferred it to the federal government and the feds reviewed it and came back and said that we are in fact not breaking any laws. So he says he's going to take on a new challenge and add even more firepower. And you know, by more firepower, he's actually talking about an underwater, fully automatic rifle. And he's also working on bullets that will travel much farther underwater than the six feet those nine millimeter bullets traveled. So bottom line, if you're a lionfish, it's time to, uh, to go, to get out of here. <laughs> Swim away as fast as you can. That news reporter just looks like he's never questioned his entire job more than this day. He's like, I know he, he looks so upset. He looks, he's like looking Wait, down while he's talking about it. But at the end of it, they were saying, oh, I bet fishermen appreciate this guy. What's wrong with lionfish? Lionfish. Um, have, oh, they're invasive. They're super invasive. Yeah. So people oh. generally like the, the reason that's kind of complex is, um, yeah, may, I think some of the gun stuff was maybe dangerous, maybe illegal to an extent, but the sentiment of getting rid of lionfish is one that is smiled at. Like it's not a it's not a bad thing to do. So people usually spearfish. I just feel so bad shooting them. <laughs> There's something what? about shooting them with a human gun that feels wrong. Doesn't it? But yeah, the lionfish populations are going to continue to grow and usually are pretty tough to eliminate using conventional methods. Yeah, they don't have a lot of predators. They feed on crustaceans and fish some of the important commercial fish species that they eat are snapper and grouper so that's that's why a lot of fishermen are probably thankful for this guy with a gun you you can eat lionfish and i think i think jimmy buffett actually had a push there for a while where he wanted to be eating lionfish so you like incentivize the idea of eating them by like telling mm -hmm. people yeah they're good and you can serve them and i think he served lionfish in his restaurants for a while but you really have to train people how to cut up lionfish because they have super venomous long spikes. And so it's like the idea of eating like a blowfish. The EU Investment Bank, um, so the European Investment Bank, 
which is also the world's largest development lender, says it will no longer finance fossil fuel projects starting in 2021. Instead, it will unlock $1.1 trillion for climate change action investments like renewable energy and resilience projects. Do we know, you said, was there a certain amount of money that they were putting towards climate stuff? Oh, uh, $1.1 trillion? $1.1 trillion towards climate... Yeah, climate action. Climate action investments. Oh. Uh, the, the EIB president, Werner Hoyer, said, we will stop financing fossil fuels and launch the most ambitious climate investment strategy of any public financial institution. Mm. The European financial institution which is owned by EU. So they approved nearly $62 billion in loans in 2018, 86% of which went to projects in European countries. Mm. Um, They phased out lending to coal projects in 2013, according to Climate Homes News, um, but continued to support oil and natural gas. Between 2014 and 2018, EIB loaned out $2.5 billion for oil and natural gas production, as well as $8.6 billion for fossil fuel transmission and distribution. Mm. So I, I guess they're going to start just not giving any money into those type of industries and investing in um, renewable energy instead. Also, for those of you who hate plastic pollution, a.k.a. me, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> grass could be used for packaging. How? Uh, grass, straw, and maize stalks could provide... I hope I'm saying that right. Maize, right? <laughs> maize, maize stalks yeah. could like provide al- alternatives to plastic packaging. Are there studies for that? Or yeah. are they like testing it out? Plant fibers are being mashed up and pressed into shallow trays similar to the plastic ones already in use. Mm. So yeah, the materials are compostable and already produced in large quantities by farmers. And they say even though they're being used as animal feed, there's enough surplus to divert into alternatives such as this. I think that'd be great, honestly. Mm-hmm. We just Yeah, plastic is uh literal is is garbage. Because it doesn't decompose. I mean, grass literally decomposes, so that'd be so much less harmful. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that I think is doing it right now. Uh, this is a company in Vietnam that's making straws out of grass instead of plastic. Yeah, so they they get the grass, cut it into tubes that are about 20 centimeters long, and they're cleaned thoroughly in and out, and then they're packed and bundled into... Oh, they're packed and they're bundled, not in plastic, but banana leaves. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that idea. It's probably better than paper straws, because paper straws, not bad, but I imagine grass is more durable. At least this grass looks durable. Yeah. Paper straws just disintegrate so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Singapore, mm-hmm. certain restaurants are using rice straws, which are both biodegradable and edible. There's no doubt that the plastic pollution is a serious problem that needs to be addressed by the people of the planet and developing alternatives like these. It's a big part of the solution. Yeah. I love seeing like a bunch of different solutions coming out because it's going to be a matter of which solution do we like the best. We're ha- we're gonna have we're gonna start having natural selections of these like alternative solutions, and I think that's a really cool process. I drink out of this grass easily. I have a different take on the <laughs> Venice situation. <laughs> Another take? Oh yeah. So guys, um, backtracking to our Italy situation, I just thought it'd be funny to give another perspective. Yeah. AKA Breitbart. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, for those of you who don't know what Breitbart is, Brianna, can you explain? It's a hot conservative newsletter. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's good to look into different ideas, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, this is just funny to me. Um, (laughs) Okay, so the title of this Breitbart article is No, Venice Isn't Flooding Because Climate Change. Mm. (laughs) I love that grammar. Venice is flooded again. (laughs) That's how I imagine a person from Breitbart is writing this in that tone. Um, Venice is flooded again and the major luigi brugnaro is blaming climate change this has become the standard dog ate my homework excuse for desperate politicians and administrators Hmm. who want to dodge their responsibilities while simultaneously attracting media sympathy (laughs) and aid money (laughs) and money and then the article goes on to talk about how the real reason for Venice's situation yeah. is which I and I quote whichever idiot who decided all those years ago to build the city on a series of swampy islands oh. at the edge of a lagoon. <laughs> so just so insensitive. And then they go on to say there is nothing weird about Venice flooding mm. at this time of the year. Yeah. Um, this is the from autumn to spring. The season is known as Aqua Alta, which is true yeah. when the tides in the Adriatic are higher than usual. Although this is true, if you look at statistics of the floods from the past, like <laughs> since the beginning of recorded time, yeah. exceptionally high waters have struck the city since 1935. Mm. Levels of 140 centimeters or greater have been recorded during the following floods. And 12 of the 20 events um, occurred in the 21st century. So most of the highest floods have been within the 21st century. So yeah, Venice has flooded over time, but every time it floods, it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure what Breitbart is trying to get at here. Um, It's definitely interesting. They're they're using the, it has flooded before, so it's not mm -hmm. this new thing we're talking about that's causing. Yeah, no. I, I just, I love this article. Yeah, it's great. It's a very like reductionist way to view it. And then the last sentence is, could it be that Venice is sinking, that tides will rise, and that flooding every now and then is what Venice does? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. It's a real head scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was that whole article your, your send off joke? <laughs> well, no, it could have been. It could have been it easily. Been. But I just thought that. I just thought that was food for thought. Food for, for thought. Yeah, definitely a good way to view another perspective. I think it's a pretty <laughs> radical perspective and maybe an insensitive <laughs> and a potentially uninformed one. But it's important <laughs> to see what other people are seeing are saying sometimes. But anyway, time for my joke. You've all been patiently waiting. Yeah. Um, I've heard I've heard your pleas and here we are. And here we are. Um <laughs> just needing this joke. Why why don't ants get sick? Do you do you know why? No, why? It's because they have antibodies. Oh my god. I told you it was horrible. <laughs> it's not climate related at all. By the way, yeah. anyone listening to this, I told Wyatt, do you want to hear it so you can veto it? And he said no. <laughs> <laughs> just he said, just throw it at me. <laughs> so I did what he asked. <laughs> okay. But I thought maybe it would be climate related. <laughs> I guess shame on me. <laughs> um yeah so anyway this has been uh no planet b 
Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> on Instagram, we are No Planet Bcast. On Twitter, also No Planet Bcast. Brianna just did make us a Reddit account. So if you see, <laughs> if you see no, no Planet B on Reddit, if you like the episode or, or any of these, the coolest thing you can do from our perspective is share the show, share an episode with, with a friend or family member or whatever, and maybe leave a review. If you like it, if you don't, give us honest feedback, let us know, because we love to talk to y'all. I hope y'all have a great rest of your... Answer important. Have a great rest of your answer important. <laughs> Thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs>